0: So, when I finished school, I studied business and I was in uh, Sydney. And so, I went to a university called the University of Technology in Sydney. Um, The year, okay, stay on your seats. All right, you can do some calculations. Don't judge me too much. Like, don't judge me like more than usual. All right. So, uh, it was 1998. And I was studying business at the University of Technology, which is right in the city, right near Central Station. And uh, overall, I did pretty well at university, but there were two subjects that I didn't do very well in. One was business law, and the other was accounting. And what got me with accounting was, if you know anything about accounting, this thing called the general ledger. Okay, so you've got credits. Credits and debits. Anyone has done a little bit of accounting? Anyone enjoy accounting? That's okay to say? Yeah? So credits and debits. But for me, it was just something that I guess, if I'm honest, my interest level was just so low, and I could never get it to balance. Now, as we start this morning, I'm going to talk about three different ways that Not necessarily intentionally, but we can slip into viewing Christianity. And the first way is what I call calculator Christianity. And it's very similar to the general ledger. So what we do is we see our life as debits and credits. And we see all these debits. So you've got all your past issues. You've got all your past problems. You've got all the circumstances that are going on, all the troubles that you've got in your life, whether they be financial or health. And you've got all these these kind of debits. And then you're looking for credits and things that you can kind of try and shift the balance. And hopefully you're going to end in the black and not in the red. This is calculator Christianity. So we're taking our failures and we're hoping to balance them with some successes, and we're hoping that God will help us in certain areas so that you know we can continue to build against the deficit. That's calculator Christianity. The second is this, what I call calendar Christianity. When you are trying to schedule God in amongst the busyness of of life, now I would say for me personally, calendars, dates, and times are my kryptonite. Okay, I am very, and my wife la- laughed probably a little bit louder than what she should have. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the car on the way home, honey. So calendar Christianity. She knows that it's true. In fact, one of the first weeks uh, in my job, so. After I studied business, I worked in sales and I worked for a couple of big American companies. And the second big American company that I worked for, uh, I got the job just before we got married. And in my first week on my own after my training, I missed one of my first appointments with a customer in, I think it was in Randwick in the eastern suburbs of New South Wales. Who knows that's not like a a thrilling start. That's not like, you know, when you've got people like, is this guy going to work out? And those that are in sales or know the value of showing up when you said you would. But I could go on with all the different examples of how I don't remember dates, the time that I've forgot my wife's birthday, not on her day, but on some paperwork. So she rings up the bank to do some phone banking and they're like, first, we need your birthday. And she says this date and they're like, I'm sorry, ma'am, that's not correct. We can't help you. And, and she's like, okay, well, like, I'm pretty sure I know what my own birthday is. Uh, but, you know, I had not remembered that date whilst I was not incorrect. I was also not correct in the way that I did. it. So calendars are my kryptonite. They are difficult for me. I will much more easily remember somebody's name and their face and their story, and that's just me. Different people are different. But sometimes our view of Christianity can be how we schedule our tasks in the midst of the busyness of life. And life is busy, particularly right now, November, November, December, we are winding up to slow down and everybody wants everything. Those that are studying, you've got your exams, you've got your assignments due and people in workplaces have got deadlines and customers want things and everyone's rushing so that we can stop for Christmas, hopefully. And sometimes we take that attitude to look at our diaries, look at our calendars and say, gosh, how am I going to fit this in? How am I going to turn up here? How am I going to pray here? How am I going to serve people here? And the mindset, not necessarily uh, intentionally, and there's good intentions. Yes, we do need to schedule and be organized, but we can view Christianity as something that either fits in or at times doesn't fit in because we've got so much going on in our life. One of the issues is when we take this mindset is that Christianity can become depersonalised and it shrinks and it can come, become small and tiresome. If you think Christianity is a list of things that you have to do to fit on your calendar, you are minimising and often it just becomes a grind and a job. We don't do it on purpose. But that's sometimes the end result of what's going on. The last one. So the first one is calculator Christianity. The second one is calendar Christianity. And the third one is closet Christianity. You can be a Christian on Sundays, but other than that, keep your faith in the closet. Don't talk about it. Don't express it. Okay, just keep it. And sometimes underneath this, and this is becoming, particularly if you're a younger person, there's also a message around Christianity from the world, a cultural message, that Christianity is bad for you and it's bad for society. And Christianity is even hurtful and harmful because it's going to repress people in certain areas of their life. So Christianity is oppressive, repressive. And so best, yeah, you can can go to church, but other than church in your workplace, don't talk about it. Don't live out your faith. You can have a private expression in your closet, but don't come out of the closet with your faith. Don't be public. Don't let your faith influence how you think or what you say in your workplace, just keep it small, just keep it neat, just keep it compartmentalised. So those three things, and and we don't necessarily choose, we don't say, okay, which type of Christianity am I going to do today, calculator or closet or calendar? It's just the forces and the pressures of life. Now, all of those things, three things, share one thing in common. Christianity is something that I do. That's what they share. So if your approach has been or currently is that Christianity, my faith is something that I do and that is just your only approach, you are not going to have a happy time. You are probably not going to be vibing your Christianity in the way that you could or should because it was never intended To be like that. Never. Christianity was primarily, and what we're talking about, primarily something that we are first before it is something that we do. And this is this series saying, I know who I am. And one of the things we've been talking about is what it means to be in Christ. So when we're in Christ, what we do overflows from who we are. And when you do that, you become fully alive in Jesus. When it becomes internalized, flowing out to the external rather than just an external, just like every other thing that you do externally, you will lose energy. You will have a small view of Christianity. You will have a tiresome and grueling experience of faith. And most likely at some stage you will give up and be disillusioned. The good news is, God's intention for us is to be in Christ. When I am in Christ, Christ is my surrounding. When I am in Christ, Christ is my substance. When I am in Christ, Christ is my style. He is your surroundings, He is your substance, and He is your style. When I go to work, being in Christ, my style is Jesus. I have a Jesus way of talking. I have a Jesus way of interacting. Does that mean that I say the word Jesus all the time? Don't, probably don't, all right? I'm talking about you imitate the character of Christ. You imitate the nature of Christ. It means that because of what has started within you overflowing out, that your words change. Maybe some of the words that you used, maybe some of the thoughts that you thought, they begin to change and you start speaking life, not death. Maybe you start not just speaking out your problems, maybe you start speaking out praise. Maybe you start to see the best in people. It doesn't mean that you don't confront them, but you believe in them and that begins to be contagious. If I go through my work day and in my life, thinking oh man gosh ben he just ticks me off can he do anything right what like what's wrong with him like not just on a surface level but just like, like deep on a fundamental level like is he fundamentally broken okay now i know ben he's amazing give him a hand Thanks for being a stage prop, mate. So. <laughs> but what if I said, Ben is made in the image and character, in, in, in the image of God, and he has value, and so I need to honour him and treat him with dignity, and if I need to speak to him about something, I do that with respect and honour. It doesn't mean I'm all soft and gooey and I'm just a pushover, But it means that I have something within me that is beginning to overflow into the world around me. As opposed to, I'm a Christian, I should try and do better. And some days I do better and some days I don't. And and that's true. We all have our days, right? But what about the idea of the life of Christ being located in Christ? When you're in Christ, your surroundings... Christ. It says, in uh, last week we talked about being in heaven, being seated in heaven with Christ, being at home in heaven. We can be at home in heaven so we can bring heaven to earth. When we look around our picture, one of our worldviews is a picture of the imitation of Christ, the presence of God. So we become bringers of the presence of God. We become bringers of the life of God. We become bringers of the flow of the anointing of God. That's what it means to be in Christ. We learn what it is to have Christ as our substance. Because it's deep within us. We have depth and life and our style. You see, when we define our lives in Christ, we start at the top. We are seated with christ and our perspective is an elevated heavenly perspective and so when i'm in christ with heaven it means i have access to every heavenly resource so i encounter a problem and then i say god what have you got for us because i'm with you how can i bring some heaven to earth in this situation how can i bring a word of kindness when i don't feel kind How can I bring healing into a place of brokenness? Because I'm just releasing heaven because that is my style and my substance and my surroundings. And I realize deep within me that I'm chosen, that I am blessed, that I have a destiny, that I have purpose, that God's grace is within me and flowing through me. So here's a question. Are you in Christ? Is that the way that you're starting to think? Or have you become a way where Christianity is transactional, sometimes with the best intentions? I do this, I go there, therefore I am. That's secondary. But primarily, it's the grace of God within us beginning to overflow. Ephesians 1, you can read alongside verse 6. Um, You can listen to me or I'm reading from the NIV, New International Version. And continuing from last week. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. So, two words here. Verse 7, the first is freely given in other translations. Uh, sometimes the word it's the word translated which is bestowed, only used twice in the New Testament. The other time it was used was at the birth of Jesus, when the angel announced what was going to happen. So very, very significant. And the other is lavish. And they are very connected words which are hoping to give us a sense of what we have in Christ. It is lavish. It is freely overflowing, freely giving, bestowed upon us. Has anyone ever seen like an epic fire hydrant uh, explosion or a water main burst that there is just like too much water running everywhere? Has anyone ever seen that? This is what it means to be the subject of God's grace that there would be an abundance, there would be an overflow. And so when we understand that God wants to lavish, he wants to go over and above. Now, my wife and I have two very different Vegemite philosophies. Okay, when it comes to eating Vegemite on toast, my wife is a minimalist. Okay, so I still, we've been married almost 19 years, I still have not cracked the code on how little Vegemite that she has. So when it comes to if she wants Vegemite, what I'll do is I'll just prepare the toast, I'll put the butter on, and then I'll put the Vegemite and the knife because it's so minimal. It's almost like it should be put on with like a spritzer or something like that. (laughs) The way I eat Vegemite is lavish, okay? It's probably too excessive. It's just, it's on thick, all right? You're not loving it. The way my mother eats jam is like, would you like some toast with your jam? Okay, it's lavish. Just all the family secrets are out today. Here's what God wants you to know, that when it comes to grace, when it comes to the love of God, when it comes to the free gift of God that you don't earn, it is lavish. It is overflowing. It's like that fire hydrant. That is just going crazy. Or that water main. There's just way too much. Here's what God wants you to know. That in Christ, He wants that to be the well that is running and overflowing of your life. That your life is overflowing with grace and love. This is what it means. And that when you do something, you do it because there is an overflow of the presence of God. The grace of God in your life. Not because it's a task Not because you feel an obligation, but it is because it is an expression of life that is bursting from within you. As a church, we don't exist to try and fill rosters and um, get people doing things, even the community work that uh, we are doing and going to continue to do. We don't exist just to get people on a spreadsheet. We exist to release people who are energized with the life and the presence of God to begin to share that and to begin to explode from that. And grace is not opposed to working, it's just opposed to earning. So we start on top and what we do is not to make God feel better about himself or us to feel better about ourselves in relation to God. It's an expression of God's love. It's an expression of God's gift And we're not working towards heaven. We are seated in heaven and we're working out of heaven onto earth. You see how there's a different mindset? And this is what each and every one of us are invited into. So Jesus was asked a question in Matthew uh, 22. It was was actually a trick question. Matthew 22 is asked a trick question and the question was this. How would you summarise... Essentially, the Old Testament, if you've read in your Bibles, old and new. And particularly the first five books, which are very, very significant. All right. So how would you summarize that? So people, the religious rulers were trying to trick him. And here's what he said. He's asked, you know, summarize what God requires of us. The law of Moses. First five books. Matthew 22, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is how I'm going to answer that question. That's what he says. Love. The second question, he says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love others as you love yourself. Now, here's a question. This is a personal question. Do you love yourself? Do you feel within you that you are worthy of love? Because God has called us to share his love, and I'm not going to do this so don't get nervous, But if I went round and said, do you know that you are loved? What would you say? Would you have a, by God, would you have a bold and confident yes? I hope you would, but I know that sometimes that's not always what we feel. Now, here's the thing. We can't give something that we don't have. And so the first step for us, is to receive this amazing love, this amazing grace, this amazing release of what God wants and to understand it and to feel it. Do you know that it is not God's plan that you are a bit iffy about whether you are loved or whether you are valued? And I mean for you as you are. And for you, whether or not you've got the job you want, the career that you want, the appearance that you want, the financial security that you want, the success. Of, like for you right now as you are, do you feel like you, you have intrinsic value? I'm not talking about do you have potential I'm talking about, like, do you know that God loves you as you are? Like, do you really know? Because this is a fundamental, because when we get that security, that's when we can really begin to live. And that is a grace gift. It's not earning. In fact, it's opposed to earning. And no one can say, I got this because of what I did. This final part, verse 13, it says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When Rebecca and I bought our first house, the bank asked for us to send a deposit. And here's what I didn't say to them. I've sent you a deposit. I hope that you feel it. Like I have given you the deposit. I have, I am giving you the deposit over the phone. It was actually a tangible thing. And what God wants us to understand is that everything that he's talking about, about us being located in Christ, is an experience. We begin to have that experience now. It is tangible just in the way that I had to transfer actual money that we had saved up. God is asking us and inviting us to experience through the Holy Spirit and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open the altar. Yes, I know it's, it will encourage you to be bold. Yes, I know that for some of you, you've never done this before. Yes, I know that the first person that goes out, others are going to be looking at them, etc., cetera, et cetera, Let's get to the good part. When I lay my hands on you, you are going to experience the grace of God and the reality of God in a new way. And the reason that you're going to get up is because you need something that you currently don't possess. And it's not something that I have per se within myself, but it's something that God can flow through me into you, the presence and the spirit of God. And so this is for anyone who wants to experience God for any reason. You may have done this before. You may be like a serial person who loves to get prayer. That is a good type of person. So there could be all kinds of reasons, but you are hungry to experience God's grace. If you currently don't know and feel that you are loved and valued and that you have worth, what better gift could God give through the presence of His Holy Spirit than this? So we're going to bow our heads. I'm going to pray for everybody. And then I'm going to ask for bold people to come forward who want to break through. We're going to pray for you. God's going to meet you with the power of His Spirit. Then we're going to eat some stuff together, smile, find out about each other's week. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Here's your plan, God. Everyone feels loved. Everyone gets given that. They don't earn it. Everyone's invited to live out of an overflow. Not out of a calendar. Not constantly trying to work out if they're good enough or they've done enough. Not trying to compartmentalise their Christianity into different segments. And so, Lord, we just invite your presence to do this work. You're already here. And I pray that you would give people boldness to respond to what you're doing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm opening the altar right now. And as I said, come forward with boldness, expecting to receive something from God. Awesome.